Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Do you have a moose near the caboose that needs to be tamed? I'm talking hairy, big, and needs some support. Thankfully, our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Baluga! Did you hear that? That's your moose asking for Manscaped. Manscaped engineering team just perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created the Lawnmower 3.0. The premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray, both super practical and they smell great too. Plus, For a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of my favorite parts of this collection. The Manscaped Boxer Briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. The waistband is also super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing. Plus, when your girl sees this logo, she knows she's got a real Manscaped man. Pair these boxer briefs with their pH balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver and you're ready for anything. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Welcome to the Thanksgiving free agency episode of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I am joined, as always, by Matt Smith. Good morning, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, Treg Wilson, unfortunately, could not make it. Uh, He had a family issue, and uh, we wish his family well, and happy Thanksgiving to them as well. So, thank you for joining us on this holiday weekend. We hope you... uh, we hope you find us as entertaining as last uh, our last episode, the Tuck My Sack Draft Extravaganza. I, I gotta say, I I literally, I, I obviously listen, still listen to the show, even though obviously I'm on it. But I've re, I've re, I've re-listened to that Tuck My Sack Me quote probably about a dozen <laughs> times, and I've laughed even harder, like, like harder every time. 
So, I, so as Blaine said, I really hope you guys enjoyed the show last week. Um, it, it's, it's something we did. It was silly. It was fun. We still got the info out there, but you know, we've got a memorable quote that I think is going to stick with us for quite a long time. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, they say that, uh, that men grow old, but don't grow up. And I think we prove it. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. hundred percent. Cause we're still laughing at the stuff we'd laugh at when we were in the fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's part of our charm, I guess. Yeah, of course. So, uh, I'd apologize, but eh. Yeah, it comes with the territory, right? It's the military lifestyle, right? These things just kind of come to you. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, that's pretty clean considering the uh, the environment that we work in. 100%. We won't get into it, but 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, back to the show. Back to the uh, show, yeah. So um, Montreal, notable signings uh, during free agency so far. Yeah, so uh, just to let our listeners know what we're going to cover, um, we are going to cover the Canadian signings, uh, everything going on there. We're going to do a little quick spin around the league. Uh, and we want to thank everyone who sent in your, their questions. Uh, we truly appreciate that. Uh, we're going to do the mailbag. We're going to give you guys shout-outs because it's you guys that make the show fun for us because the interaction that we have with, with you, our listeners, is uh, is is amazing. We love it. So, UFA signings. The the Canadians signed a few guys. To, they let a few walk, but uh, they got Juleson on a one year show me deal at a league minimum. They got Mete, uh, which you know because Treg's not here and can't say it. I'm going to say it for him. They signed Mete to a one year deal for three seven thirty five, and it's an overpayment because you know. Treg hates him. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> did, he did really Mete, does. Did Mete date his daughter? And I don't her? know. He's got a vendetta against him. Like he does not like him at all. It's weird. Um, it's yeah. Like I'll just touch on Mete really quick. Um, he's oh, making careful. 35 35 K more than league minimum. Um, 11 points with four goals last year in 51 games. Um, and in my opinion, he's going to really have to work hard during the off season to bounce back from a very, very poor personal performance during the playoffs. Um, this is a guy that I called him out multiple times. Trey called him out multiple times just on his performance. And, and the fact that he wasn't playing. So let's call it playoff hockey. He um, over 10 games averaged 12 and a half minutes. He threw one hit which is ridiculous for playoff hockey. And for a guy that's more or less an offensive style defenseman, one shot on goal over 10 games. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, it's it, it, and a lot of people shit on Xavier Willette, who we'll get to in a minute, but Willette outplayed Mete during the playoffs. Yeah. Well, let's got the experience too, right? So he, he wasn't as intimidated by what was going on. Um, I know, that's not much of an excuse for Mete. I mean, he is a pro. He's got a few years under his belt. Yeah, exactly. He's played. He's played in some some in some rough and tough games and everything. Yeah. And he really just didn't show up to play. Like this is definitely a show me contract. Oh, absolutely. And if, and, and, and if not, even the way that the uh, the depth chart falls right now, which is something else we're going to get into later on. He is a six seven guy right now. Like he. I would argue he, he's not even in the six. 
right? But he's like, but no, no, but he's a six seven guy. He's a he's a shoe in or he's a six. Because as of right now, you've got guys that have leapfrogged him in the depth chart, and you've got guys that are hungry to make the lineup. Um, we won't probably see Jewel Sim because they're going to want to see him play in the AHL. Yeah, he needs to play a ton of games. But if Kale Fleury comes out swinging and flying, they, they're really pushing at Romanov. Then with the new addition with Edmonston, I, I just don't see where Mete solidifies a spot. And Don't forget still, Kulak. And you've got Kulak, exactly. That's exactly it. So we'll, we'll we'll see how he fits in, but right now he's got to perform a hell of a lot better to crack the lineup. Well, you got to look at the uh, – I mean, Romanov coming in, that's a big one because I know he's left-handed, but he played on the right side as well in the KHL. Yeah. So yeah. he could play either side, and that would mean that Kulak could still slot in. Yeah, uh, and where does Mete sitting in the press box, and he's going to be there a lot. And they even asked Mark Bergevin about that, about him playing the left or right side, and he said, yeah. um, "We're pretty much going to let him decide based on his play at camp. If he's if he's comfortable on the right, don't be surprised if you see him starting on the right with Kulak on the left." Yeah, exactly. Right as a bottom pair or and Edmondston. Then, yeah. Because uh, I think I think they brought Edmondston in not just for the ability to clear the zone and the front of the net, but he he played a a mentorship role in Carolina. Yep. With uh, Kale Fleury's older brother Hayden. Yep. yep. And his his play exploded. So yeah, very much so. They could have brought him in for some of that as well. I mean, he's got that that aspect to his game, so he could yeah, line up with. He's them. not a shoe in like he's not a shoe in to play with Petrie. No, no, no. It's not with the way Kulak was playing with Petrie in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's up to Kulak to prove that he can stay uh, steady, you know, find that consistency and play that at that level consistently, which he hasn't been able to do so far. But if he can find that, holy crap. I think we're going to see, amazing. I think we're going to see both options during training yeah. camp. And we're going and- to see how it rolls out. And we, we might even see Roman. I'll jump up with Petrie a little bit. I doubt yeah. it's going to happen for, um, regular season, but I think we're going to see maybe a little bit of uh, jostling around the defensive pairings, um, just to see just to see what works, what doesn't, who needs work, etc. Yeah. Now um, we mentioned Wadet. He's the captain of the uh, the Laval Rocket. He uh, he's going to be in Laval for sure. So he'll yeah, he'll likely clear waivers because it's a two year deal. Um, Juleson on that one year deal. Um, Normally, that's the kind of thing that someone would put a claim in on. So I'm still a little bit concerned, but with his injury history, people might just steer clear of him until yeah. after yep. after he plays a full season healthy. And I think he will. I think he'll have a full year, and he's going to show everyone that he belongs. Yeah, and as next long as year, he stays healthy. As long as yeah. he stays healthy. Like the guys are, you know, he's the 2015 uh, first-round pick, the Canadians, you know, 25th, 26th overall, whatever it was. And – um this is a guy that if he's healthy, as you said, like he's a, he's a, he's an NHL defenseman. Yeah. He's a bottom six guy, but he's, he can kill panels. He blocks shots. He hits like a fucking truck. He does. And, and, and this is a guy that we've all been pretty high on over the last couple of years. And if, um, if he had stayed healthy, he'd likely, he'd likely be a lock right now to play with, uh, to Romanov on the, uh, on the bottom pairing. Yeah, and I remember the day he was drafted. We were there, and yep. uh, I remember talking met. to the – Yeah, we met that's him. That's when we and, met. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's when we met. 
Um, and, and we met, we met Juleson that day. Yeah, big kid even then. Yeah. Nice kid. Really nice. Very, very much so. so. I, I, I'm pulling for him to, to play healthy and, and prove that he belongs because I think he, he'll surprise a lot of people. Yeah. Um, now the for the, okay, the, you go ahead. One second. The yeah. important thing with the Willette signing um, it's going to bring in, it's going to bring back that, that veteran presence. And he was the captain, as you said, um, he signed a two year deal, uh, 737 and a half uh, K with, uh, with the Canadians. He's going to return to Laval, as you said, um, played 39 games with Laval, nine goals, 15 assists. And why I bring him up and the fact that he's the captain is the leadership role, because right now, the way that it sits, you don't have that veteran in Carl Osner that's going to return to the team as he's been bought out. He's cleared. He's no longer with the Canadians organization. He won't be with Laval, etc. So bringing back Willette, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a big, uh, it's going to be a big addition to the Canadians blue line, or to the, well, to the Canadians blue line. Sure. As a depth guy, if he needs to be called up. But um, it's going to be big for the Laval Rocket with uh, with the young guys like Josh Brook and, and and those guys trying to make the next step in their career. Yeah, I and mean, he he's also bought in pretty heavily into uh, Joel Bouchard's uh, system. Yeah. And there were there was some rumblings that Alsner hadn't gotten along that well with uh, with Bouchard. I mean, I know Alsner he's he's a real pro. He he said all the right things. Uh, I'm sure that the guys in the locker room loved him and he got yep. along great with the guys, but Bouchard is the kind of coach that he, he really needs you to buy into what he's doing. And if you don't, then you know where you stand with him. He's not a big fan. Like he had that, uh, that exit interview with uh, Melnick on TSN. Ooh, was it not this past season, but the season before. And he was asked about Alsner and he said, I don't want to talk about him. Yeah. So, you know right there that there's something going on. So I'm glad Alsner is going to get a chance to sign somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if he will get a contract, but just the fact that the Canadian said, you know what, here you go. Here's your chance. Go sign somewhere else. Thank you for doing everything you did. Um, he's sorry guy, it didn't work out. He's a guy that we might see on a PTO. Or we, or we might see a guy get a maybe a two-way contract. In normal times, I think he would have gotten a, a PTO or a, a one-year two-way deal, but yep. um, it's going to be hard in the COVID era for yep. guys like him to find a spot because there's so many young players, RFAs, that, so. were, that were just not qualified. And there's tons of players floating out there. Yeah. I mean, even Anthony Duclair, who yeah, scored a, so many goals yeah, for Ottawa. There's a lot of guys that are still available, which yeah. is obviously something we're going to get into in yeah. the other segments. But um, with, with Alsner... A lot of people don't realize the Canadians didn't have to buy him out. No, they did him a favor. Very much so. 100%. It shows the character of this team and of the management. They chose to actually eat more of this money, you know, eat more of this, uh, this, this cap it and eat more of the money long term than to keep them for one more year, bury them. And then it would actually would have been cheaper for the team. But as you, as as we mentioned, he, they they did him a favor, and we hope all the best for him and his family. Um, this is a guy that um, he knew he likely wasn't going to play during the playoffs. He opted out. 
some guys, some people shit on him. I don't know why, but he made the he made the best decision for his family. He made the just best decision for himself. He didn't want to just sit in the press box and be away from him. So uh, I'll just say good luck to Carl Osner and wish all you we wish you all the best um, with your future wherever that may lead. Exactly, I echo the same, that sentiment. And uh, for cap wise, this is going to cost the Habs about five hundred thousand dollars more yeah. this year than it would have been to bury him. Yep. Next year, it's about the same. It, it's hovering around $2 million, whether they would have bought him out next year or this. Uh, the difference is that there's going to be two more years at 833000 now, whereas if they would have waited until next year, it would have been about $2 bucks with a year of about 850000 Yeah. So... It's it's not it's not massive. It's not insignificant, but, but it's not say, huge. Well, but when we talk about COVID times and the likelihood yeah. of the of the flat cap and with the expansion draft and all that kind of stuff, it could be significant for a team that brings in revenue, that has an owner that doesn't mind spending a little bit of cash, with a general manager that said if the price is right on some players and we can make the team better, we'll bring these guys in and we'll spend we'll spend to the cap if we have to there's there's going to be other teams and we've already seen that 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 have an internal cap that aren't spending the big money and we're seeing a lot of contracts right now they're not the big seven-year contracts six-year contracts five you know there there's not a lot of big money being tossed around right yet during free agency and there's a hell of a lot of guys still on the board now, uh, <clears throat> I saw a graphic on TSN. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it showed the, uh, the July 1st spending. So basically this, you know, I know it's been October, but uh, the free agent day spending, the first day of free agency last year, they spent uh, almost $600 million. Yeah, absolutely. This year. Crazy. This year it was $150 million. Yeah. There is one fifth. There, they spent twenty percent of the money they normally spend on free agency, so that tells you internal caps uh, of the flat cap. All uh, this is truly affecting everything. So players are going to be looking at how much can I get? Oh God, there's not a lot out there, and they might jump at the first chance. So yeah, <clears throat> and the which fact could that be there's why not, the fact that there's there's not a lot of um, in person meetings. Yes. That's a big deal. They didn't have that first week to to kind of feel out and everything. Yeah. So we're gonna see we're gonna see guys. We're waiting for the dominoes to fall. When it comes to defense, there have been a few signings, but obviously the big fish is Petrangelo, and, and then guys, you know your your yeah. next your next um, your next picks are gonna start to fall. We've seen a few and defensemen. Hall. Yeah, and then Hall for forwards. I think once you see Taylor Hall sign, you're gonna see the uh, the Hoffmans, the Toffolis, the uh, uh, they're all knows. signing in Toronto for uh, for league minimum. Oh, absolutely. One year deal. We already know that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, to finish off the Canadians, uh, Baddock. The Canadians yep. went out and saw and uh, picked up Baddock. So uh, I know Habs Twitter is predictable, which is I like. As soon as he was signed, oh god, look at this big signing. Yeah, the guy's not uh, an AHL player. He played three years in the Devils organization. What they seem to miss out on is the Canadians have a lot of young guys coming up, and they're going to be going through Laval. They need 
a little bit of protection. And Batic is going to provide that physical element in Laval. Yep. He's going to be able to be called up as an NHL call-up if need be for game here and there. But his main job is going to be the, the policeman in Laval. Oh, so if anyone, if anyone takes liberties with, uh, with guys like Brooke or Hillis or anybody coming up in the next couple of years, he'll be there to tap them on the shoulder and remind them kindly and politely, of course. Please don't do that. Yeah. Here's because you're, they're missing out now. Um, like uh, McCarron's gone, so they're going to miss that. Uh, yeah. Miss that toughness. They still have Pizzetta. Yeah. Right. And Pizzetta and Paddock have actually fought. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so. So. As you said, he's not a guy that's going to come in and wow you with, you know, dangling between all every player end to end and everything like that. He's a guy that's going to hit you through the boards. And he's going to stick up for his teammates, yeah. while pitching in the occasional goal you had 15 points last year in 50 games but uh you know 114 penalty minutes and he's 6 3 220 yes so if you're a fan of old time hockey yeah you're gonna love this guy yeah he's and um for me i didn't really know him that much the fact that he was only an ahl guy yeah but um for me i started getting to know him when he fought nick delorier yeah, Delorier doesn't want to know him anymore. And Nick, and that's when uh, Delorier—he had like a fractured skull or something during the uh, during the preseason. Yeah, he busted his face up pretty good. Yeah, and that was uh, that was a pretty you know both guys landed some big shots, but uh, you know Delorier, he like he is a you know doesn't matter how big you are, he's gonna he's gonna fight you. Yeah, he's and, a tough uh, customer. Delorier's uh, a tough guy. One hundred percent. And um, this was a guy that he threw down with, and uh, they both landed some big shots, as I said. And that was when I got my first uh, introduction to who this guy is. So as soon as his name popped up, I was like, "That's the guy that fought fucking Delorier." <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, he's got he's a guy that's you're not going to want to really screw with. And um, as Blaine mentioned, it'll be a guy that uh, will shelter these uh, these up and comers. Guys like Hillis, Juleson. I, I'm just mentioning Juleson just because of his injuries. And I think that a player like Pizzetta or Baddock is going to go after somebody a little bit quicker based on the fact that Juleson's returning from injuries and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it might just be, yeah. a, it might be a clean hit, but let's just say they might, they, might, uh, they might drop the gloves a little bit easier when it comes to uh, somebody taking liberty with Juleson. Well, just to, just to kind of point out something that maybe people who don't like that physical aspect of the game might miss. Um, Cottenham last year had that spleen injury and it was on a clean hit. Yeah. He, he took a, he took a clean hit when they were playing against Cleveland and his, his side went into the boards, but he was, he was targeted for that hit. So would that kind of hit have happened had Baddock been on the ice? I don't think so. I doubt it. He would have set the tone early because uh, this happened in a second period of that game. Uh, a guy like Baddock being on the ice, patrolling the ice, policing the ice, even if he's not fighting, you this know is, he's there. And that's not even on the ice. That's a guy just having him on the bench. Have him on the bench. He'll come out for a shift or two. He'll, Be, he'll because... do his part, but yeah. Because we've seen, like, you know, the enforcer role in the NHL and in the A and in the AHL is, is lower than what it obviously used to be. Yeah. But um, 
if you have these guys in your lineup just to police the game, let's just say, if you don't get thrown out for the hit that you just caused or the injury that you just caused, you've still got to play the rest of the game and you've got to look out yeah. for these guys now. So these are two guys that can go out there. Um, I've seen Pizzetta play in the OHL. I've seen him play in the AHL. He's a guy that will take on anybody as well. So uh, I think these are going to be two guys that uh, we'll see on hockey fights quite a bit during the season, <laughs> if need be. I'm not going yeah. to promote violence or anything like that. No. But we're going to see their names up there a few times um, if, if guys are getting a little bit too liberal with the, uh, the youth of the Canadian system. Yeah, and, and, and I, know, I know the, the game is uh, evolving past this type of player uh the nhl is now uh, it doesn't have that enforcer role per se like you don't have the guy that's just there to be an enforcer he has to be able to play as well so that's why guys like uh like tom wilson and josh anderson who we're going to get into are very important um but the ahl is a few years behind and it will always be in that that sense but that intimidation factor is still important because if you've ever played at any level if you were playing even in minor hockey if you knew that there was this big kid that was going to hit you for just about anything you're going to be a little bit tentative going to the corners or going to the front of the net it's it's natural it's human nature to want to self-preserve so if you have a you have a big guy who can who can actually play and keep up they're they're a big part of the team so Adding someone like that in the AHL level to protect the young guys, that's that's a I I like that signing. It's not it's not a thing for the the Canadians really. He's not gonna help the Habs, but he's gonna help the Habs in the long run because these younger guys are gonna be <laughs> they're gonna be healthier and have yeah. a little bit more time and space to develop. That's right. That that's a that's a good investment. So you mentioned Josh Anderson. Yeah. So what do you think of his contract? I think that um so the cap was a little bit, the cap hit was a little bit of a surprise to me, but too high, um, too low. It was a little too high for me, in my opinion, a little bit too high. Um, I was thinking more of a four and a half, five type thing, but to get the extra years, if this guy can stay healthy and play the style of game that he can play, I'm not, I, I don't have an issue with the five by five. The fact that, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to call last year. I'm hoping knock on wood we're going to call it a mulligan we're going to do a do-over for that he only had a few points last year very injury plague season however the year prior he played all 82 games playing that very physical style that he plays and had 27 goals and 47 points he also had 214 hits and uh, we brought this up on the we brought this up on the last show and this is a big guy that can move he can keep up with the with the speed of the of the canadians so um, the more I thought about it, the more I'm kind of okay with it. And uh, I listened to his interview and he, uh, he mentioned that uh, he's healthy. He mentioned that he's, um, he's good to go. No issues with the shoulder. He's working hard and he's going to, he wants to, he wants to prove the naysayers wrong and show everyone that he earned this contract. And uh, I didn't hear this from him, but it has been reported that he's working out with Gary Roberts as well. Yes, and he's and, lost and that's, a little bit of weight too. Yeah, and that's massive. Like Gary Roberts is like, you know, the pinnacle of 
NHL physical fitness standards and everything like that. Like he's trained some very elite players throughout the league. And the fact that he's going to be working with him, that's, that's massive. So I think, um, I think we're going to see a rejuvenated, healthy Josh Anderson and uh, signing a big contract like that. I think he's going to really want to show everybody, including the fans, what he has and what he brings to the table. I don't think that's going to be a, a, a running gun at, and start fighting and everything like that. I think he's going to provide that physical presence and net front pl- presence that the Canadians need. Maybe it's going to um, decrease the chances of Gallagher getting hacked up in front of the net so often. Um, but I, I, I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to give you 20 plus goals. And he's gonna he's gonna come out and he's gonna he's gonna stick up for his teammates and he's gonna play hard. As long as he stays yeah. healthy, he'll do that. Yeah, I think um, you, you mentioned Gary Roberts, and Gary Roberts has trained some big names. Uh, he he was McDavid's trainer after his knee injury, and look what happened there. He was able to to adjust his training. Yeah, to Steven make, Samkos as well. Yeah, I think he's Stammer's going to need him pretty hard this yeah. this off season. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <clears throat> Roberts is kind of the um, the hockey training whisperer. Because he, he's been there. He's done that. He, he's, he suffered a broken neck and came back. So if anyone knows how to come back from an injury, that's the man. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it's been, uh, as, as reported, he's training with Gary Roberts. And he, uh, he shed some weight. So he's, he's a little bit more slimmed down, which means he'll probably be a little bit faster. Yeah. And he's already got speed. He's already, and, yeah. you, you, see, you see a lot of his um, highlights. And a lot of them are... the they're not just the dirty goals in front of the net, even though some of them are, um, but he's a guy that can shoot and he can play with speed and he can score on the rush. Yeah. He loves to come in uh, on the rush and cut towards the net yeah. and get that shot off. Like those he's old got the school, size to do it. he does like those old school rocker Richard goals, you know, where he comes in off the wing and then cuts right into the middle and then, you know, puts it up high. Just yeah, like I that. Liked, I like to see him do the, uh, what Kovalchuk did to uh, Tucker. I'd like to see him do that to somebody this year. Or not no Kovalchuk, um, Kovalev to, uh, to Tucker. I'd like to see yeah. him. I'd just see him do that to somebody this year. Maybe one of those rougher games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, he's, uh, he's that kind of guy that's going to, he flies up and down the wings. He'll dig out the pucks. He, he doesn't win. He doesn't lose too many puck battles. No, he doesn't. Along the boards. And he's going to open up ice for his line mates. I uh, the way it sits right now, yeah. who'd you put him with? Oh, he'd be on Suzuki's line with Drew Wang. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah. Um, for me, his contract, uh, I had like in the last show, I mentioned a five by five. Uh, I kind of compared him uh, based on Tom Wilson's deal. Now, if you look at Tom Wilson's deal when he signed it, the cap percentage that he signed for was higher than what John's, uh, what, uh, what Josh Anderson signed for on this one. So cap percentage wise, it's, it's similar, only a little bit better for Anderson. I know it's a little bit more money, but I'm comparing cap percentages. Uh, The term seven years, it's a little longer than I would have liked, but seven years, he's 26. The issue is going to be, is he going to be able to play the full seven years? 
if he can't, they made it, they made the contract. So it's moved quite easily moved in the last two years of that deal. So there's an out for whoever's the GM at that time. Um, so it's not a, it's not a bad contract. I mean, I would have liked to have seen less money and less term. Sure. I mean, you know, five years at 3 million would have been amazing, <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, <clears throat> I think it's a fair deal. If he, if and, he stays healthy, he's got to prove yeah. his worth. And, and I think he's going to, he brings something the Canadians haven't had no, in a long, not time. long time. Not in a long so time. It's an important, it was an important signing and an important trade. Like you look at, uh, look at Domi's contract. Yep. Domi signed a two year deal at 5.3. So for an extra $200,000, you have Anderson. <clears throat> the goals I think are going to be a wash between the two. Uh, I do see Anderson getting about 20 to 25 this year, which is about what Domi would have had, I think, if you were in a top six winger role. Yeah. But Domi's contract is a two-year deal taking him straight to free agency. Yeah, unrestricted free agency, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's scary. You don't want to be a GM and having the guy, giving him the option to walk at the end of the deal. If yeah. you, you want to buy some of those free agent years. Agreed. So Montreal bought six free agency years off of Anderson. At a, de- at a reasonable price for, because how many, how many power forwards that can score 25 goals are there in the NHL? It's really not that many. Exactly. They're a rare really breed. Really not that many. You've got, uh, you've got Ovechkin, who's a rare breed in his own. I don't think he, there's no mold for him. He's not a power forward. He's not a sniper. <laughs> he is, he is the guy. He is the guy when it comes to playing hard and loving every goal you score. But you can't really put him into a, into a category it's Ovechkin he's yeah in a category he's a, he's in a league of his own yeah yeah but you, you know your other your other comparable would be a guy like Tom Wilson it's just yeah. without without the bullshit I brought that up on the last yeah. on the last uh, on the last show right um another guy that you might be able to say um like a Chris Kreider that can yep. kind of play a little bit of a power game play a speed game do what he needs to do uh, without hitting goalies, the goalies, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. I like how we said that at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, those are, those are the comparables. Those are, those would be the comparables right off the top of my head. And the caps guys, are about, the, their caps are similar. Their cap hits are yeah. similar. Yep. Um, but uh, the, the, the Habs fans have been begging for a power forward for years. Yep. They've been begging for Bergevin to, to spend to the cap for years. So he got a power forward and he's spending to the cap. And now some of those same people are complaining that he overpaid and he's, spe- he's, spending, he's spending too much he's money. He's spending too much money, yeah. Pick a lane, folks. Pick a lane. Yeah. Personally, I love Domi. I, I loved what he brought to the Canadians, but it was pretty evident that he was a short-term thing. He wasn't going to be a long-term Montreal Canadian. You can tell just by the way they were acting and how they spoke about him. Um, and, and if you're going to trade a guy that you're not going to keep anyway, why not trade him for something that's going to fill a need long-term yep. that you've been yep. looking for for years? Cause what he's been trying since what, since he was hired to, as the Canadians GM to find a power forward. He tried yeah. with McCarron. He tried, you know, he's bringing in, you know, low cost guys. He, tr- he tried to bring in um, Cassian. Like it, it's just, you know, Prust, Cassian, uh, Shaw. These are guys that he's been trying to find. He, he's 
hopefully this is the one, you know? So he think he seems to think so clearly with the seven year deal. Yeah. hundred percent. If he is what you say he's going to do this year. And I think you might be right where he's a 20 to 25 goal scorer and he's, he's attacking the net. Then I'm going to love this. This is going to be amazing. Everything yep. for me rests on how well his shoulders recovered and knowing that he's with Gary Roberts makes me confident that he will be just fine. Yeah, he'll be ready for training camp. He'll be ready to, you know, he'll be ready for the year. And uh, I think he's going to turn some heads this year. Yeah. And uh, keep in mind too, he's not the guy that's going to be dominant in the regular season. He'll have flashes, but he is a playoff type uh, type of player. Yeah. His style of game in the playoffs is going to be huge. Yeah. 100%. So shall we do a very quick around the league? Yes, let's do that. So I'm just going to spitball really quick. We won't discuss every one of them. Um, Tory Krug, seven and a half by six and a half mil, St. Louis Blues. Likely means deal. that very good deal for him. Uh, apparently Boston uh, offered him a similar deal, but at six years. Yeah. So he took the extra year, meaning Petrolangelo likely on the move to Vegas Golden Knights, I'm assuming. Yeah, they, I, I think they'd be the front runner. But for me, yeah. that's, a, that's a weird weird situation why are you gonna let your captain walk i mean that's uh, yeah I w- you know what i would 100 percent take petrangelo over tory krug yeah 100 percent. but yeah, i think I don't, the I don't get on it. the wall when uh they signed falk to that big deal i it's think so that, quickly yeah i think that really fucked them up for uh for signing petrangelo depending on how much he's asking for but uh this guy's premier defenseman in the league and i think that uh whichever team likely vegas signs him and um we brought this up multiple times when the expansion draft happens, they're not losing a player. No, so they can only, they're only going to get better. Yeah. Um, we'll do uh, Kevin Shattenkirk just come off of uh, winning a Stanley cup with uh, Tampa three times, 3.9 million. He's also got that buyout money, which is about yeah. 1.4, 1.5. So he's making over 5 million a year with Anaheim. So I think it's a good fit for him. Uh, it's a good yeah. bounce back for him after signing for a small contract last year. I think he wanted and, the and, and winning a cup. Yeah, for him, I think it's the term that really sold him because he so wanted too. that that you know he wanted to be able to be somewhere for a few years. Winning a cup must have been, you know that that's icing on the cake. But now he's got he's got this term. He's got some good money. I think uh, I think he'll settle in nicely in Anaheim. Absolutely. Uh, this is a guy I know that you were high on, Craig Smith, three times three point one with Boston. I think it would, yeah, have been a good guy, it would have been a guy that would have, uh, I think he would have been good on the, on like cocking the Emmys wing or something, but uh, yeah. you know, is what it is. He signed elsewhere. Um, Calgary Markstrom six by six and Tanev four point four and a half. They're spending, they're spending, they're spending um, Vancouver. We'll get into them in a second. Um, they're, they're slowly starting to get depleted from a team that we saw in the playoffs that, uh, that performed. They're losing their performers. They're losing some of their 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 guys, and they're going to need to start signing to, uh, to 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 try to get where they were last year. Well, they lost to half of their top four. Yeah. On D, that that's not insignificant. Yeah. So I, I I don't know unless they can find similar or better players, that's a team that's going to slide out of the playoff spot. Yeah. They've only signed. Uh, we'll just talk about them really quick. They've only signed Holpe. Uh, two times 4.3. 
you know, he's a guy that's going to come in. He's, he can be a starter. He can be a one, a one B with, with, uh, with Demko. He's going to be looking for some retribution. He's going to look to try to find his game again, but uh, with them losing Stetcher to Detroit, mm-hmm. they lost Tanov and they lost Markstrom. So they've got um, Alex Edler. They've got Tyler Myers, Jordy Ben, Quinn Hughes. And people are saying that you ready to go and this guy is ready to go, but. Well, if you levy is actually it. healthy, maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, they're going to take a they're going to take a step back because of the defense. Yep. I know I know Quinn Hughes is you know he's high on a lot of people's lists. He had a great rookie year, but uh, he's going to be a sophomore next year. So you we all know that the league is going to have a book on him now, and they're yep. going to be expecting him, and he's they're going to game plan for him. So he's not going to be as effective. So nope. you can't rely on him alone. That's why they needed that other pairing. And yep. losing the other pairing is going to hurt. Um, so yeah, and, and as for Calgary, the Markstrom deal, I think that's a bit too long. I mean, I six think it's by a little, six. I think it's a little rich. Yeah, for a guy who had one really good year and a couple of okay years. Yeah. People crap on the Canadians for Carey Price getting the contract he got, but at least he proved himself. Well, let's look at some of the goaltending contracts. So I've got a, I've got a, I've got quite a few of them here because a lot of people were shitting on, uh, um, and I don't know why, and I don't know how, um, the Jake Allen trade. He picked a I, guy. He he targeted a guy that he knew would fit. More importantly, name one goalie that the Canadians could have signed for a one-year deal that would have played backup to uh, to Carey Price, that had the ability to be a starter if need be. The only one that I could think of is Lungfist. That's the only he, one that I could. That's the only one that actually signed a one-year deal off the top of my head that could have came in and been effective. Sure. Um, but he wants to win, so why would he but, sign but a Montreal? To, yeah, but he wants to go to a team that's a little bit closer, and he and he did that with Washington, which that's I think said, which I think is a fantastic <laughs> fit. Yes, because you've got Ovechkin and Lungfist on the same team now. These are two, two guys, when you think of how the game is represented, these are two of the guys you think of right away. You've got Ovechkin, which is the, the, uh, the goal scorer, the, uh, the, the excitement, the flash, et cetera. And then you've got Lungfist, who's probably one of the most he's – like, he's like the George Clooney of hockey players. Like, he is the oh, guy. Yeah. He's the most well-dressed guy. He's always, he's always done up. He's always dressed in the nines. He and, wins the um, NHL's Man Rocket Award every year. Absolutely, right. So this is a guy. This is a guy that um, I think that's going to be really good for um, uh, for the for their young team and for their for their guys, just like Ovechkin. Yeah. Um, now, while we're doing the around the league, why don't we skip over to just the division here? And sure. I'm looking at I'm looking at the division. Do you think that anybody in the Atlantic has truly improved? Because if we're trying to figure out the Canadians and their, where they stand, you look at the division and has anyone really stepped up and improved what they had from before? I'm not going to say anybody has necessarily vastly stepped up. Um, Detroit's got better in goaltending. They signed Thomas Grace to a two-year deal. Um, I think he's going to be a better option than... Um, it's coming to me. Howard? 
yeah, Jimmy Howard. I think he's going to be a better. I think he's going to be a better option for them. Um, he did. He, he played well when he was with the Islanders, but um, they still got a shoddy defense, and they yeah. and they don't have a lot of guys that play defense. So he's going to be seeing more pucks. So he's going to have to be that much better. He's not going to have the uh, the guys in front of him that he had in, with the uh, with the Islanders. I mean, Detroit, um, and, uh, Detroit and Ottawa are kind of those two teams that are still rebuilding. So yes. I don't expect them to – they should get better. I mean, it's hard not to get better from Spe- what they were. Speaking of Ottawa, if you want to talk about somebody that overpaid, Matt, uh, Murray, Matt Murray's deal, I could not believe that. This they is needed guy, to spend money, though. They needed to spend money, but – you know, uh, like I watched Murray's interviews and he says, oh, it's such a natural fit. I'm like, fuck, man, if I was getting that much money. Oh, that's a definite fit. That's a definite <laughs> fit. You're damn right. It's a definite fit. And you're, you're definitely going to be saying that. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll fit into a $6 million contract for sure. Yeah. For, you know, yes, I know he's one cops. And I know people are going to say that he's one cops and everything. He's not the goalie that he was when he won cops. He's if, also if, not the reason they won. Absolutely. But if he, if he, um, if he was as good as his price tag is right now, he'd still be in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And we wouldn't be talking about Casey DeSmith. We wouldn't be talking about the other guy. I don't even know. I don't remember his fucking name. So, <laughs> so you know, like you, you don't even, like you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even be having this conversation because he'd still be in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But I mean, Ottawa, they're, they're kind of setting themselves up for three years from now. So yeah. they have all these really good young players are on their way up. They're, Ottawa is going to be a scary team in a few years if Melnick is willing to spend some money. Yeah. And I know they're going to say, well, you just signed a goalie for a lot of money. Sure. But they had to reach the cap floor. That's right. There's a league rule. You have to. That's right. They were $40 million under the cap. Yeah. Before they signed him. So yeah, you're spending some cash. So to um, talk about to talk about the other guys really quick. Yeah. Um, Florida so far has picked up Wenberg and Gudis. So big, tough defenseman. And uh, and uh, Wenberg is going to fill in the bottom six. He was bought out by Columbus. But they lost Hoffman and Dadanov, which is that's about right. fifty goals. That's a big, yeah, that's big right. loss. That's a, that is a big loss. Uh, so that that I would say Florida is really the one that was kind of on par with the Canadians who would be fighting for that last spot in the division. And I I don't think Florida's really stepped up. No, everything they've, depends on they've, Bob Ross. They've, they've they've yeah, it, it's going to depend on him. But the, so they have taken a step back. Um, Tampa so far, they've only, uh, they've only re-signed guys that, yeah. um, that played with them last year. They brought back Shen and they brought back, uh, Pat Maroon. Who they lose is what's going to be the defining factor for them. We know Johnson's on waivers and he cleared. So yeah. he's probably on his way out. Who yeah. else and they pick to move? It's, That's it's a big deal. Zach Bogosian signed with the Leafs. Yeah. But I so, mean, he was a bottom pair guy for them. Yeah. But, um, but we'll talk about Toronto really quick. Time, they signed TJ Brody, uh, four times five. Yeah. A little bit rich for me, but you know mm-hmm. what? It for, is what for, it is. For what they need, I think Brody's a good fit. He, he is a good defenseman. Like, don't get me wrong. He's a good defenseman. It's a little bit rich for me, but you know what? Toronto is going to find a way to fit in all these high-paid players and still put them on the ice. So is what it is there. And they also signed Wayne Simmons. Uh, one year, one and a half mil with a yeah. no trade clause. Yeah, full no trade clause. Full no trade clause. And, um, you know, yes, people, I'll bring it up. Montreal was in on him. They offered him a little bit more. He went to Toronto. He had the fucking bed sheets, whatever. It is what it is. 
at the end of the day, what did he do? He was a he he's a fourth line player at this stage in his career. He is a fourth line player. What what would I have welcomed in Montreal? Well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It oh, didn't yeah. happen. It is what it is. I'm moving on. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But for the Leafs, bringing him and Brody in, that helps the team. However, they've lost a lot of other pieces because yeah. they spent way too freaking much money signing Tavares when they didn't yeah. need to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a great hockey player. And yes, Toronto has one of the best one-two punches down the middle. But you need to buy other, pay for other players to play with them. And sit, bringing Simmons in, yeah, he brings in that, that aspect of grit that they were missing. But he's on a fourth line. Yeah. But you Maybe know, just a third as well as line. I do, you know, well, just as well as I do, when it comes to Toronto, it comes to the Toronto media, they're never going to point a finger at the big guys. No. They're going to say, you know, and they did that during the playoffs. And, it really, and I brought it up on our show. It pissed me off quite a bit. They blame Craig. They, they, bl- they blame Frederick Anderson. Yeah, because he let in a weak goal in one game. Yeah, whatever. Other than that, he had like a 930-some save percentage during the playoffs. Like the guy yeah, wasn't was the that, reason. Yeah, and, and the he, game that he let that in the weak goal, they they couldn't score. Yeah. So 100%. is that his fault? Not, not at all. They had, they had the chance yeah. to win that series. They didn't. And I'll just say, move on. They'll come back next year, and they'll have a yeah. you know, $100 million fucking payroll, and they'll still be under the cap. Tor- yeah. Toronto's definitely making the playoffs. They have the team that will make the playoffs. The thing is, they don't have what they need to move through the playoffs. No. Because they paid way too much money for... Yeah, if they match up against Boston or Tampa in the first round, they're done. They're done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So back- and Boston, I think they're, they're going to take a, a little bit of a step back depending on what they do on their defense. Because losing Krug, that's a big deal, especially yeah. for their power play. Yep. Yeah. Um, before we hit the mailbag... Well, we wanted to go through a little bit of um, the Canadians didn't do a hell of a lot on free agency, yep. but I mean, most teams haven't, as we mentioned right. earlier. So the, the Bergevin in his little press conference at the end of the free agency day, he went through, you know, they've got about three, three and a half million in cap space. And he wants to leave about a little bit of a cushion of one, 1. 1.5, just because you know, at trade deadline, that'll that'll be like a $5 million player. So he can make some moves. Um, the Habs need size. They need some grit. They need some veteran depth. Help at center for face-offs and whatnot. Because right now, everyone's got Evans penciled in. I like the kid. He's good on face-offs. But do you want to rely on a rookie as your, as your fourth liner? Or would you, if you do you want to have someone with a little bit more experience. I know wheel is down there. He can play center. Uh, Byron's there, but he needs, you need another player. So this is kind of where I was going with it. Uh, I think that's the kind of player they're going to target in free agency, not a Taylor hall, but just another, like a veteran depth guy. Yeah. Um, I see that. So I was looking at it. I know Yanmark has been rumored to be with the, uh, you know, the Habs are kind of shopping around him. I don't know yep. if they're going to be able to sign someone like him, but a guy like a Brian Boyle, I, I can see them going for. Yeah, I can see that. Or Sheehan. Sheehan, yeah, definitely. Because Sheehan, uh, he's another one that played for a one-year deal, super cheap. Yep. And he's he's got the wheels. He's he's got a, He can win face-offs. He can play on the wing. Uh, Kyle Clifford. Clifford has been, you know... 
he's been rumored around the Canadians for years. So maybe this is the chance, you know, scoop him out, uh, out of Toronto and take away some of the grit uh, that they need for the playoffs and add it to your own team. Yeah. A guy I was looking at that um, hasn't really been given the fair opportunity in the NHL is uh, Josh Levo. He's, a, well, he's, he's a, in Vancouver right now. He's, he's in Vancouver, but he's a UFA. I think they're going to keep him though. They, they probably will. We put up 19 points last year, 36 games. He's a guy that played for Toronto that just never really had the opportunity. Uh, the one year, the one year before he got injured, he had, he had 10 points in 13 games before he got injured. And then he went to Vancouver and he, he's like, he is a guy that uh, is having issues. He does have issues with uh, injuries. So that kind of scares me away from him a little bit, but on a, on a cheap one year deal, he might be, he might be something to look at. Okay. Um, but I do agree with you on Kyle Clifford. Um, a lot of people are looking at Matt Martin. We talked about this before the show. He's likely not to leave um, the Islanders. Why don't, you, why don't you give us a little bit of a spiel for like uh, a minute or two on what you feel would be, I don't know, the best addition grit-wise for the fourth line? So for grit-wise for the fourth line, 100%. 100%, you're, you're looking at Matt Martin. Um, he's a guy, he's defensively sound. He goes to the front of the net. He can score goals. He performed during the playoffs 100% better than a lot of people expected. He played on that big line of, uh, himself, Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck. He'll go to the front of the net. He'll clear bodies. And he's, he's used to playing against the top lines. We've seen him in his line matched up against guys like Sidney Crosby and he's somebody that's he's produced he can shut down those lines and um, I would 100% welcome him in Montreal he'd be a fan favorite he would provide that depth he would provide that size he would provide those big hits he and uh, and the energy that uh, that a team is looking for in a depth player Another one would be that Kyle Clifford. He's another guy. He can put up some points here and there. He can provide that physicality, that that uh, that energy. He can play mean. He can drop the gloves when needed. And um, those would be two guys that I would look at to fill that role of enforcer slash energy slash um, youth protector, whatever you want to call them. Well, as we record on a Sunday morning, I think, um, I think we're going to see some movement here later in the day. So uh, hopefully one of, the, one of the guys you've mentioned ends up in Montreal because the, we do need that one additional piece. And I'll get to this in our mailbag, which I think we're, it's a good transition for the mailbag, yeah, 100%, 100%. actually. 100%. So we'll just jump into the mailbag now and we'll kind of cover off what I was going to go on there, but uh, there's a ton of really great questions from our listeners. And I want to thank everybody who sent your questions in. Uh, if, if you sent something in after we started recording, I apologize if it doesn't get on air, but uh, we'll do our best to add you in the next show. So uh, we'll just kick it off here with the first one from Leon Kamitis. Kamit commit sis i'm sorry if i messed up your name i'm terribly sorry it's all good you Trey's uh, not here we have to fuck up at least one name <laughs> exactly so leon asks good morning guys love your show 
thank you. We appreciate that very much. Um, his question is, if the Habs don't sign a big-name free agent like Hall or Hoffman, are they good enough now to make and compete for the playoffs? So this is kind of what we we're going in just as we transitioned. I personally believe because the Atlantic division hasn't really taken that big step forward. Nobody in the, in the division has, uh, I think the Canadians are the one team that improved the most. And now it's early in the off season. This can change, but as of right now on Thanksgiving Sunday, I think the Canadians can make the playoffs as they are. I'd agree hundred percent. Can they compete? Um, if they can add, if they can add that depth for, uh, veteran, uh, if the young guys take a step forward, you know, like uh, KK and Suzuki, if they're able to take a take a another step forward, maybe uh, I can see them winning a series. If they get lucky, maybe two. But yeah, no, it. it for them to actually win a series beyond just making the playoffs, they definitely need to, they definitely need everybody to take a step forward. What do you think? I would agree with you. Nobody can, uh, nobody can take a step back. We have to see Kakaniami the way that he was in the playoffs. Uh, we need to see um, Suzuki continue to become the player that we all hope that he's going to become. Yeah. Josh Anderson's going to have to stay healthy. Um, new additions like Anderson, Edmonston, and uh, Jake Allen, they're going to have to step up their games. And uh, when they're called upon, um, provide, the, um, provide the level of play that is expected from them, especially with um, Jake Allen. We've seen that a, a rested carry price is a very good carry price. So if uh, you can get Allen in for, say, 30 games and he can win over half of them, that would be huge looking at yeah. last year when you had Keith Kincaid, who I'll segue off really quick, signed a two-year deal with the <laughs> New York Rangers. So good luck to Keith and his future endeavors. Um, you're not going to be able, you're not going to have to rush a guy like, um, like Primo. You're not going to have to, to reach out and bring in a guy like McNevin. And you're not going to have to rely on Charlie Lindgren. So I think that it's going to be a, it's going to be really big for them to to have those guys in their uh, in the lineup. And to answer the question, um, they're not a Stanley Cup competitor as of yet. Can they win a series and, and compete? 100. We can. We we've seen it. Um, we've seen guys. We've seen teams that um, have made the jump that may may not have had the pieces to be there, but they've still thrown it together when it comes to playoff time. And uh, I, I think the, uh, with the additions of um, with uh, Edmonston coming in, playing that meaner style, that's playoff hockey, 100%. Same thing as Josh Anderson. And um, with Allen being able to help uh, price rest, especially if they secure a spot within the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah then you can you can literally rest him and just kind of coast into the into the off season depending on where they're sitting in the standings and be able to uh, to bring in a rested price to start the uh, to start the series yeah and how they do in the playoffs also it depends on matchups like who are yeah. they matching up against do they match up with you know if they're playing a team like Tampa that'd be hard to win yeah. but if they're playing someone you know if they're not a a wild card and they're playing someone lower 
yeah. <clears throat> then yeah, they could win that series. So yeah, make the playoffs. Sure. I think they can make the playoffs compete in the playoffs. That's a, that's a difficult, difficult question, but. Well, during maybe. the play, during the playoffs, they talked about the big three, the Trident, et cetera, in, uh, in Weber, Petrie and Sherrod with them bringing in Edmonton, now you've got the physicality of Romanov, et cetera. You're going to have to look at something other than a trident. I'm thinking like a, like a rake. <laughs> you know, really, you yeah. know, because they're going to have, they're going to have, they're going to have that physical element on the back end that, uh, that very few teams have. And um, I'm not talking about any ordinary rake. I'm talking about like, you know, groundskeeper Willie on the Simpsons Halloween special. Versus Freddy Krueger type rake, you know? <laughs> so I, I hope that answers your question, uh, Leon. Um, so uh, we're going to move on to the next question from uh, Jeff Mercer. Uh, happy Thanksgiving from Newfoundland, gentlemen. Uh, well, thank you, Jeff. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, what do you guys see as the problem with the power play? We seem to have the pieces for an effective power play, but it never seems to click. So do you think that we have all the pieces for an effective power play? I think we, we do. I think we do. It's just too, it's, it's too uh, one dimensional. They always go to, they always go to Weber for the bomb and they, uh, anytime he's on the ice, it's, it's just too predictable. Um, I find that when uh, Petrie's on the ice, he still has that bomb of a shot and we know that he does. But um, I find that when he's on the ice, other guys tend to step up a little bit more and get pucks on net. Um, I'm not going to say anything bad about Weber. I, I fucking love the guy. Um, but they need to, to learn to be able to shoot the puck a little bit more and not rely on that bomb or Gallagher just beating, getting the hell beat out of him and, and looking for garbage goals. Or being yeah. the guy that the puck hits and goes into the net. Those um, are my favorite goals. And the way to fix it, just don't be as predictable. We we yeah. we know that uh, we know that guys like Drouin's got a hell of a shot. Tatar's got a hell of a shot. Suzuki's got a hell of a shot. They just need to use them more, be less predictable. And I think that um, their strategy going into next year, they can't go up the ice and do that little drop pass before the blue line and and all that. Like their setup is their issue. Once they're set up, they're not bad. It's the setup and gaining control in the uh in the offensive zone if they can work on that and and start with the puck they're gonna do they're gonna do better things and as i said be less predictable you'll see more goals Uh, yeah so the zone entry yeah that is a big issue they they have a horrible time with that and moving domi out uh domi's very good at zone entries so that's going to hurt however Having Anderson there now, he is, we're going to see from him uh, a guy being hit on with a pass at top speed through the neutral zone. And he's probably going to just do a little chip and go. So he's going to chip it past the defender and crash through. You can't stop him at his speed and his size. It's going to be hard to uh, to slow him down or stop him. So we're going to see... they finally like have a player. They finally have a player that if they if they want to do a dump and chase, they can actually do it. Right, exactly. <laughs> now Drouin is going to be good at getting in uh, getting in the zone as well. So he's going to do that cross the blue line, pull up and stop. And like you said, once they're in, their setup's pretty good. So the first wave power play has that one three one setup, 
with P- uh, we saw it in the playoffs with Petrie at the blue line and moving Weber down towards that Ovechkin spot for his one-timer, which I think we're going to see more of this season because it was effective because Petrie can shoot. He can also pass the puck. So he can play your quarterback role on the blue line. Weber with that big one-timer and keeping the puck in, that, that'll work. Adding Anderson as, uh, also helps in this aspect. So we had Armia sitting in that high slot for the uh, secondary shooter. Anderson has a very good shot, especially in close like that. And he has the big body to make room. So we're going to see him there, and he's going to score more goals from that spot. He could even play the, fr- the net front role better than Gallagher because he's bigger than Gallagher. So uh, I think the first wave power play is going to look a little bit better. Uh, the second wave, I, I, they go back to the traditional um, 2-2-1 with Gallagher at the front of the net. That's the one that's going to pick up the uh, you know mop-up time on the power play. I do think the power play is going to be improved. I mean, they finished at around 15 16% this year probably around a 20%. If they can be at 20%, that's a playoff team's playoff, uh, power play. So that's, that's what's going to make the difference. Like you said, zone entries and the setup. Uh, so we'll move on to the next question uh, from Swan Dad. Uh, when the Habs fail, and I'm pretty sure they will, to land Taylor Hall, who will be their plan B target on the free agent market? Thanks in advance. I think we covered that uh, before we started the mailbag. Um, I hope... I hope our answers were, were to your liking, Swan Dad. Uh, by the way, Swan Dad was a former guest of the show in our first season, so good to have you sticking around and listening. And thank you for the question. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, we, we, we both kind of agree that it's more likely to be a depth guy. But um, if we were to go into maybe more of a goal scorer, um, I think that personally I think they would look at um, – a guy like Eric Halla. I would love to have a Halla, uh, have Halla on the team. That's yeah. that's who I that's who I would um, that's who I'd predict if we're looking for yeah. a more a guy that can play a top nine role. They'd have to move some money out, and you know I think Byron would be a good good choice for if they were to move money out. Jordan but te- yeah, but teams are having a hard time moving money. We we are seeing it now when. When guys like Johnson go on waivers and do not get picked up, so that's telling you right there that moving money is going to be a very difficult thing yeah. this offseason. Yeah. Um, so from Mikey uh, at Mirosh16, what's the one thing you would do or add to try to improve the power play? Um, I think we, we covered it in the, the last question. Yeah, I think so. Um, adding Johnson – or Johnson – <laughs> adding Anderson uh, is going to make a big difference on that first wave. Um, the, the, the adjustments they made into the playoffs, I know the power play has been crap for a few years, but the playoffs and the, uh, the, uh, the power play in the playoffs was fairly solid. So I think we're going to be seeing more of that. Uh, the next question from Dan at D 57. Why do the teams bypass so many QMJHL players? even if the league has produced five of the last 10 Memorial Cup champions. Well, Dan, uh, good teams don't necessarily mean great players. There's a lot of junior players that never make it. And, I mean, I live in the uh, the Q region. I watch Q League games. 
I'm from the Ontario region. I've watched, I still watch OHL games and Western League games. I'm going to tell right now, uh, individual player development in the queue is skill-based. I agree. There are some very good players, but there's not a, there's not enough. I mean, I don't know if it's an issue with development or style, but it's not like they're being ignored. I mean, how many, uh, Matt, how many guys were drafted out of the queue this year? What about 15, 30, 20? Uh, so there wasn't, there wasn't as many like, um, like Lafreniere went number one. Yeah. We didn't see another guy from the queue taken until Mercer. Was he before Lapierre? Okay. Yeah, Mercer so there's went, three I think, right at 18. There. I think and then, he, and then Lapierre went after him. Okay. Yeah, so there's three right there out of the queue in the first round. So yeah. they're, uh, they're not being ignored. It's just the way the game is going now, we're, I think we're going to start seeing more of them, but it's not quite there yet. And I know this may be more con- – uh, he might have been angling that more for the Canadians. It's not like the Canadians aren't trying to pick Q-League players. I mean, they're one of the top three in the NHL – for the most players picked out of the queue in the last 10 years. That's right. So the the only thing is they're not top round picks. They're not first, second round picks, which a lot of people are alluding to, but they're still, they're still picking players out of the queue. Have they, have they all uh, worked out in the organization? No, but um, they went, they got Raphael Harvey, Harvey Pernard. He's going to be in the, he's going to be in Laval next year. He, they, you know, they, they, they tried at a guy like Sam Hood that didn't um, that didn't work out. No, they they no. they've they've brought guys in. It's just yeah. I I don't think like you look for the best players available that are gonna fit your that are gonna fit your franchise. And I think with them bringing in this year the top three guys they brought in Gooley, Tuck, and Jan Mysak, and and um, there were all good picks. And I wouldn't replace any of those guys with Q players that would have been available at that time. Now, had they have had a higher pick in the second round, maybe they would have picked a Q league player Had they traded up into the first round, which apparently they tried to do according to Timmons uh, in his interview on TSN, they tried to move up, but they, they just, there were no takers. And it's not like, I mean, there, a lot of these Q League guys were rated to go around here and there. So it was close to where the Habs were going to be picking, but other teams would snap them up before and that would change their draft list. They're not going to leave their draft list just to throw fans a bone. Say, hey, look, we picked this Francophone kid. Like the one the one um, Q player that I was looking at for Montreal to pick in the second round, had they not traded that second round pick to um to tampa would have been lucas cormier yes he he ended up falling to the third round he would have been the guy that i would have taken a look at he was available yes but it it is what it is as i said like they ended up getting some top prospects to their to their system and i just don't think it's uh it's it's that culture is still there, but it's you you want a winning team and you you want to trust your management to draft the best players available that they think are going to help the team win. And uh, we've seen over the last few years with Timmins, he's made some great selections in in Romanov and Struble and Harris, et cetera, et cetera. 
that have made the team better. So I'm excited for especially the top three for this year. And going into next year, if they can get a if they can get a star or two into the queue, if they feel that that's the best player that is going to be available at that time, 100%. Take a look at them, but don't don't pick a player just because he's from Quebec or he's 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 French speaking or he plays in the queue, etc. Yeah, that that cannot be the reason you pick someone. I mean, I know that people are going to be looking at <clears throat> drafts from five six years ago and say, well, you picked this guy, you should have picked this French kid that has a decent con- uh, decent uh, career so far. Keep in mind, at those times, the picks that they made, were. if you look back at it, the consensus would be that the person that the Canadians picked would have been a higher-ranked player anyway. So is it a bad pick? No. Did it turn out? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the player turned out, became an NHLer, but, um, who, you know, the other guy was a little bit better. Is that really that big a deal? I, I wouldn't think so. And I just want to add one more point before we go to the next question. A lot of people talk about the queue and they talk about getting players out of the queue. The last big player that a lot of Montreal fans wanted to go after was Zadina. Yeah. And all they would have done, if they would have picked Zadina, they would have said, Yay, we picked out of the queue, but then they would have been like, well, the guy's not French. Yeah, exactly. He's a European right? that's playing in the He's queue. He's a European that plays in the queue. So and, and we see and we see a lot of the big a lot of the big guys that come out of the queue, especially the last few years. Nico Heischer. Yeah. Nick Ehlers. Philip Zadina. Like these are traditional Francophone names. Yeah. But these are all guys that played in the queue that went pretty high if not the first overall pick <laughs> and I'd be happy to have any of them in the organization, but Steve, people would still be pissed off about it because they're not Francophones. Exactly. So is it really a Q league thing or is it a, I want more Quebecers thing. I don't think the Q is the Q league is really the issue. Um, people want more Francophone content. You're, if I, this is why I can't wait for the Quebec Nordiques to come back. Let them fill their team with a whole bunch of Purlen, Gudashinu, Francophone. Let them have it. Leave us alone. Wait till you see the Canadians get their ECHL team in Trois Rivières. Yeah. And I think you're going to see some of these um, overage Q guys that might have the. Uh, you know, they might have it in the Q. They might up. They might put points up in the Q but not necessarily a game breaker that scouts see at a professional level. Maybe you'll see them signed to maybe two-way AHL contracts, et cetera. And yeah. we'll see what they have at that level. And, and, and we might see guys like um, that started in the ECHL, like a day or an A that rises up through the ranks and, and it makes an NHL impact one day. Yeah. Like uh, Antoine Wicked when he was signed, you know, everyone's, Oh wow. Look at him. That, Joel Teasdale. People aren't yeah. talking about him because he was injured last year. Yeah. He's going to get a chance this year. Um, yeah. He was signed as a free agent. If they would have had the ECHL team set up for a guy like Wicked, he could have stepped in and gotten all kinds of development time. 100%. So, yeah, they're, once Tuatibiad is up and running, they're going to fill that team with local Francophone talent. 
maybe one out of a hundred will get a will get a sniff at an NHL game. Yeah. But when you have the kind of money the Canadians have, why not try that? If you get one, yeah. if you get one percent of your free agent signings develop up to an NHL level player, sure, do it. Hundred percent. Will that still be enough? Probably not. I've seen I signs. Uh, I saw signs in Montreal demanding at minimum ten francophones on the uh, the Canadians on the Canadians roster. Yeah. Yeah. N- no. No. That's not going to happen on any team. I I know socially and linguistically you want equality, but this is professional sports. Yeah. No, you you make it on talent alone, and it does not matter where you're from, That's right. what you speak. It has no basis on it. You, you right. build we, a team we, to we, win. Right. And, um, you know, your general manager speaks French, your coach speaks French, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Right. You, you, you still have, you still have Drew A. You still have Deneau. You've got guys that are in your top six that can, that are, that, that can speak French, that can, um, take the interviews. They don't need translators, et cetera, et cetera. And, and these are the guys you look at. If you're the French media, these are the guys you want to, uh, to focus on. It, you don't need to have every every single player, every single star on your team doesn't need to be a francophone. So the beauty is, a goal is a bilingual thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the player speaks because when he scores, you either hear he shoots, he scores, or you hear a la Oh, you don't. You wouldn't hear it in my house because my dad didn't speak French, so he always told me to mute the game. <laughs> <laughs> so when I grew up in the house watching the Canadians. Yeah. He would just be like, put it on mute because I didn't listen to it because I don't understand it. I'm like, Dad, when the puck was in the net. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> goal is a freaking goal. It doesn't matter what language is said in. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we'll move on to the next question. Um, this one's from Mike, Italian Habs Mike. Uh, thank you for the question, by the way, Mike. Uh, who, should the, who should be the right wing on first line, Anderson or Gallagher? He, my feeling is Anderson will get top line versus teams like Boston, Toronto, Washington, Philly, and Gallagher on top line against Detroit, Ottawa, and Buffalo. Um, I don't think there's a top line, second line kind of thing. Uh, yeah, the matchups are going to make a difference. I agree there, Mike, but uh, I don't think they're going to change the Deno line. That's going to stay put. When you're one of the top five possession lines, you don't change that. That's why I think uh, Anderson's going to go with uh, with, um, with Suzuki and, and uh, Drouin. Um, their matchup, I think, is going to still be secondary secondary lines. So the Washington matchup, Gallagher's going to go up against Ovechkin. Yeah. It, it just because top line versus top line. Yeah. Well, quote they're going to go against they're go they're going to go against the Bergeron line. They're going to go yeah. against. Crosby line. Um, they're going to go against Barkov. They're going to go against, uh, you know, Sean Couturier. They're going to go against the the bigger lines of every team. And I agree that it's going to be more about matchups as opposed to the traditional lines one through four. Yep. Um, we're probably going to see the finish line reunited if there isn't any, isn't another signing. Um, and you're going to have, as you said, Anderson with um, Drouin and Suzuki. And this is not a knock on Gallagher or Anderson. This is all about uh, Deno and Suzuki. Suzuki's going to be a second-year centerman. Didn't even play his first full season as a center the entire time either. So you can't really rely on him. 
solely to go up against top lines every night. No. Dano has proven he can't. So absolutely, you go with yeah, him. Some people are fucking pushing this guy as a third line center, which yeah, no. which is which no. is completely unfair to him. And Kakaniem, um, he's not ready. He's not a he's not a he's not a one. He's not a two yet. You put him at a third. You play him with a little bit of size, and you play him with some countrymen. I think yeah. the I think the the game will come. Starts putting the puck in the net a little bit more, playing that style that he can play, that he played in the playoffs, and give him some power play time. He's going to develop. He's going to. He's, he's. He just needs to take his time. And, uh, and people are going to look we, at the, the minutes too. They're going to look at minutes yeah. played. You know, and they're going to say, "Well, the, here's line one, two, and three. No, that's not really how it's going to work. That's yeah. not. That's not Julian style. No. It, I hope that matchups. answered your question. Yeah. Well, in a roundabout way, I guess. Um, and the last one we got from Pat at Little Uzi Pat. Do you think the, that Bergevin has something up his sleeve if he doesn't land Hall? Yeah, I think, we kind think? Of, I think we kind of touched on that. I think he's going to look for a, for a depth guy uh, if he can't get the big fish that he's looking for. Um, personally, I think it's going to be that um, – it's going to be um, – kind of like a Riley Sheehan or a Matt Martin or a Kyle Clifford type player. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they, uh, they still wanted the, you know, medium sized fish. Um, yeah. If they looked at a guy like uh, a Michael Granlin and Eric Halla, um, I, I know a lot of people have been looking at uh, Andreas Athesensiu just because of the speed. The only thing is he can't play defense where shit um, a lot of people have yeah. been looking at Anthony Duclair. He's bounced around a lot of different teams. Don't know how much of a fit he would be. And a lot of it's a lot of these players. It's going to depend on Taylor Hall. As soon as he signs, I think it's going to be a bang, bang, bang. You're going to see guys like Toffoli. You're going to see Hoffman. There's another guy. A lot of Canadians fans are looking at. It's just with the amount of drama that he had when he left Ottawa. I just don't see him being that character forward that the Canadians want to bring into their dressing room. So my, my honest opinion, it's going to be more of a depth guy. If they go at, um, let's just call it a medium fish. I can see a Grandland or a Halla. Yeah. If he's going to go for a free agent, Halla would be a great pick. I know Toffoli's the, uh, the blueprint of a player that uh, Bergevin loves. So that would be a guy that they would probably kick tires on. Uh, yeah. One more would be uh, that I just kind of thought of at the back of my head, Carl Soderberg. Yeah. Yeah. Is he can play center or wing? Is he willing to take a a pay cut from his four and a half million? We'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah. So a guy like Toffoli, I think is a blueprint type of Bergevin player. What he has up his sleeve. I think everything depends, like you said, on Hall. Um, And if, uh, if say a, Peter Angelo goes to Vegas, they're going to need to jump cap and people need to move money. So okay. I think he might be waiting on taking advantage of a move like that, where he can move out uh, a player like Byron, or even, I know this is going to piss off some of our, our listeners, Beth, uh, I'm sorry, even a Lekkonen. If it means bringing in a, a more, impactful offensive piece alex tuck when vegas gets petrangelo could you imagine yeah <laughs> if you had tuck 
if you had Tuck Gallagher and Anderson in your in your top nine or even in your top six, depending on where you played them. What a what a, a cha- what a nasty. change in the Canadians lineup that would be, eh? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. <clears throat> yeah. So the guys that are, you know, big body guys that can actually move. Not not like guys like you know, what was uh Murray. Remember when they brought in Murray? Yeah. Hey, I was a fan of Murray when he hit Kadri. It was like, like yeah. that was my Murray moment right there. Yeah. Hal Gill, you know, they're bringing in big guys. He was a good, you know what? Gill was a good penalty killer. He was a good team guy. And, um, you know, we blocked shots. <clears throat> yeah. I did. I never had an issue with Gill. But when your issue is Not really size, the player they were looking for. Well, no. fuck, they brought in John Scott. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Phoenix owes us one, man. Yeah. Thank. So yeah. We need send us Clayton Keller. Not at that contract. <laughs> okay. Keep we'll him. take Chetron. Yeah. Chitron. You send us Chitron. Done. Yeah. We'll give you a We'll give you a Houdon a seventh. <laughs> and there's so a guy when, that's. So, yeah. when, so when your team eventually moves to Quebec, you'll have that francophone that you need on your team. Exactly. There you go. So, uh, <clears throat> Pat, I hope that that kind of answers your question. What we think, we we don't expect big moves. Uh, he's more set up to to be a reactionary. He could he could take advantage of a situation. So, yeah, it's good to be in that position. It would also be nice if he had a little bit more space to sign guys like Hall. But, um, you you remember when they they were after Duchesne, and he went to Nashville. How much happier would we have been if Duchesne were in Montreal versus in Nashville? Because Deno and Suzuki, their point outputs were better than were both better than Duchesne's, and those two players together made half of what Duchesne made. <clears throat> so signing the big fish isn't always the uh, the solution. So I, I'm kind of I'm happy he's not spending right to the cap and he wants to keep a cushion. It shows that he's ha- he's got some forethought, so it's not it's not all a loss. So I, I hope that answers your question, Pat. And uh, that does it for the mailbag. Um, you got any final thoughts, Matt? No, uh, just going to add in a couple guys we never got to. Uh, former Canadians, uh, Nick Cousins signed with uh, Nashville, a two-year deal, and uh, Uncle Nate is with Winnipeg, and I think that's a great fit for him. Did anyone sign Daniel Carr, the AHL uh, Hall of Famer? Daniel Carr, to my knowledge, is still a uh, still a UFA. It's a shame. Yeah, I thought for sure he'd have been snapped up already. Another guy still available, ex-Canadian Ilya Kovalchuk and uh, Alex Galchenyuk, both still available. Oh well, whoever signs them is going to solve their goal scoring issues. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that does it for our show. Um, I, I, I know uh, people are going to be missing Treg this week. Uh, his family issues uh, took precedent. Uh, we we want to send our uh, our thoughts out to you, Treg, and your family, and hope everything sor- uh, sorts itself out. And uh, it is Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada, so thank happy Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian listeners, uh, to our American listeners. Um, you're more than welcome to come across the border and have some turkey once you guys sort your crap out. <laughs> and until then, we miss seeing you guys face to face. 100%. But for now, keep socially distanced.
please. Let's end this shit. And yeah, I think that does it for the show. So thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we will, uh, we'll, we'll be back again real soon with another episode. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you, No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. We here at Habs Unfiltered would like to thank you, all of our listeners, old and new, for tuning in. Please, click subscribe so that you never miss an episode of all of our shenanigans. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.